0: I'm Agent Scott. And I'm Cam the Provocateur. And we're from the Spy Hards
1: Movie Podcast.
0: That's right. And you are listening to Pods Like Us, the podcast that has a license to thrill.
2: Hello and welcome to Pods Like Us. I'm Martin Quibel, known to my friends as Marv, and this time discussing the fantastic comic book film related podcast, Stew World Order, I'm speaking with Robert Stewart, but you can call him Stew because, well, that's the name of the show.
0: <laughs> somebody's listened to the intro yes yes so i go by Stu. name's robert Stu. and i i was just recording two days ago i told you i recorded with seismic cinema and they were like so do you want us to call you rob do you want us to call you Stu?" i was like i don't care it's fine We've whatever works before on my show yeah yeah yours always confused me because like i'm like i know he goes by marv and yet i know i've also called him marty so
2: you can call me either of those <laughs> any, any name, therefore, as so long as it's not late for a meal, then I'm fine. <laughs> so what was your first comic book experience?
0: Uh, probably my first comic book experience. I would have been young, like single digits, seven or eight years old, and My dad and my uncle both read comic books like their entire lives. They told the stories about how whenever they were kids, they had, you know, the first appearance of Spider-Man, the first Avengers comic, everything like that. And Apparently, my grandmother threw them all out or whatever, but (laughs) they talk about having had all these comics in their youth. And I remember wanting to get into comics and I had bought like a Batman comic or something. And I remember us sitting around and they were telling me like, Oh, here are the characters you need to get into like Wolverine and Spider-Man and stuff. And so it was just like, because I was young and I had these people around me who also read comics, it was just really easy to segue right into like, Oh, what are the good comics? What should I be reading? And this was also back in the day where You could go to the grocery store and the one around us. I live in Western Pennsylvania at a very popular chain around here. It's called Giant Eagle. It's a weird name when you think about it, but like I just grew up with it. So I'm like, yeah, Giant Eagle, the grocery store, of course. But I remember being a kid and I can picture in my head where in that store the spinner rack for the comics were. And it's so hard now because like I don't know how if you're a kid, you get into comics aside from watching these movies that I talk about, because like, they're not just out in the world where you are. Like I have to go to a comic book store if I want comic books now. But like when I was a kid, they were just in the grocery store. You went there and they had a rack and you could pull things off the rack. And it's, it's funny. I remember being a kid and I had my comic book collection and I would be, missing so many random issues because it was just like whenever i happened to go to the store whatever issues were out is what i would get
2: it's a shame you couldn't actually order them like you can with a comic book shop nowadays
0: you know what i think you could because every comic had But you had to get them through the mail like you couldn't go to the comic store and say, hey, pull these issues for me. But they always had in the comic thing like, you know, cut out this page and mail it in and you can subscribe to comics and they cost less. It's weird that I never did that. You would think that I would have when I was a kid, but I was just happy with whatever I had, you know, it's whatever I went to the store, whatever they had was great. And then by the time I learned that there were comic shops that had more of them, I would just go to the comic shop and say like, hey, hold these, hold, you know, the X-Men books for me and I'll get them all whenever I come in.
2: While we're thinking about it, I'm just going to, we can both shout out the ones that we go to. So I go to a comic book shop called Ground Zero Comics here where I live in Mansfield, Nottinghamshire and um should i really be saying that online um and the the guy who owns it called richie he actually puts he actually has a he always has them put aside for me to go and collect when i can so you must do the same thing and have a specific same sort of place
0: i have a couple places uh where i live the biggest and best store for me is new dimension comics and there that's actually kind of a chain in Western Pennsylvania. There's like six or seven all owned by the same people. Uh, the one closest to me is at the waterfront, which I always get a kick out of telling people like, yeah, I live in Pittsburgh. We have a waterfront. It's the river. <laughs> it's not like a beach or anything. But yeah, there's new dimensions at the waterfront. And where I used to work in Monroeville is a little store called Phantom of the Attic. Right. So those are my two places that I spend most of my time.
2: But it's important because, I mean, I was saying to, um, I even went there when it changed owners to Richie, who's there now, and so carried on buying them from there. Um, And mentioned to him that when he took over about five years ago, I mentioned to him that I'd been shopping at that uh, for comics there since the late 1980s
0: yeah when i was growing up there was a place that no longer exists it was called sluggers yeah and that was the first place that i found like this is a it wasn't entirely a comic book shop but it was like 90 comics like they had the boxes and the back issues and i just remember constantly going there and going through the old boxes and picking out old issues of x-men because i was a huge x-men fan And when I started reading, they were in the 250s. So I would just go back and get older stuff, whatever looked good. When I was a little kid, it was like, oh, whatever has an awesome picture of Wolverine on the cover, essentially. And yeah, that was a really good store. And I remember one time they were trying to get rid of stuff and they had like a bunch of boxes of comics on the floor and they were like, any comics that are in the boxes on the floor, 75 cents each. And I remember going there with my uncle and my uncle dropped like 300 some dollars on 75 cent comics. Wow. Yeah.
2: (laughs) But I've done it before. Have you seen in on eBay? Sometimes you'll have people who sell where they'll just say like five comics and you won't know what they are. Just random comics from a certain era. For so much money, and I've done that before, where I've ordered those. And oh, really? So, and sometimes I've got something where I thought, "Wow, I never thought that I'd have that." And one of the moments, which some people, you know, most people who don't who don't know much about comics will not know, I got actually during a few of those, I got the first three issues eventually of Human Fly.
0: <laughs> Very nice.
2: Which I thought, "Wow, no, nobody's <laughs> going to know about that one." <laughs>
0: I know they have those like Walmart and Target sell them. It's like, it's not old stuff like that, but it's more modern stuff. But they give you like the, you know, five comics in a plastic bag and you don't know what's in there. And it's like five bucks. And it's a it's a fun way. I think I guess that's as close as you get to the spinner rack whenever I was a kid. Like if you're a kid now, I guess that's the best chance you're going to have to get into comics. But it's not a you know, you're not going to get a story that way. You're getting five random comics. You can't tell what's going on in them. And then I've got
2: the first five issues of Jack of Hearts as well. Oh, nice. Which is, you know, there you go. Kevin Feige. I can sort out the MCU for the next 20 years for you, just from my collection.
0: Here's the, here's the Jack of Hearts story we're telling in phase eight.
2: (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) Yeah. You might have to make some changes to that character. (laughs) But saying that, they did well with Shang-Chi's father, changing the, the whole of his background and making that different to what it is in the comics, should we say?
0: Yeah, I. you know what? I loved Shang-Chi. No one has pulled Shang-Chi for my show. I think one person pulled the number but didn't end up choosing it. Oh, I can't remember what episode that was. Oh, they pulled Shang-Chi. And they also pulled the Justice League and they made me watch the Justice League. I I wasn't upset about it, but I was just like, man, I could be watching Shang-Chi again instead of this. And I loved Shang-Chi. I think it was, I. I think it's top five in the MCU to this day. I was fascinated by it when it came out and my wife didn't want to see it I kind of dragged her to that one because I was like look I can get a seat two in a row are still available we went and she loved it so Mm. I I was happy that she went to see it and yeah I think that's people say like oh phase four the MCU's bottoming out after Endgame and I'm just like phase four gave us Shang-Chi and No Way Home which are both in my top five And the TV shows are hit or miss. Like, I get it. Not all the shows have been great. But, you know, the good ones, I really liked Hawkeye. I really liked WandaVision. I'm loving She-Hulk. And I know that one's very divisive. But, you know, I think we've got one more episode of She-Hulk to go. And I love that show so far.
2: I wish they would have given She-Hulk a full 18 episode run like they are doing with Daredevil Born Again.
0: Yeah, they certainly seem to have you know, more in mind for her than they did like Moon Knight. Moon Knight was not a great show. I didn't think it wasn't for me. And it just seemed like they had one story. They went in, they told it. But with She-Hulk, like, yeah, you could have done like 12 to 18 episodes and just done so many episodes of legal drama and just done this like comedic superhero law and order for a couple of episodes while you had the subplot in the background of the guys trying to get her blood and and do whatever they're going to do.
2: I'm going to go on record now and probably get people aiming things at me, but I think Shang-Chi is the best of the films of this phase.
0: Um, It's hard to beat No Way Home for me because it's it was just such a blast seeing all three Spider-Men, and I love Tom Holland, but unquestionably it, it's shang chi and no way home for me in one order or the other i think they're leaps and bounds better than everything else in phase four so far and i say that as somebody who also really liked multiverse of madness
2: i'd have liked some of the extra footage in multiverse of madness though as you know i've mentioned that before to you
0: yeah multiverse of madness was good I. Uh, yeah, it was fun. It, it just, uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to compare against Shang Chi and and No Way Home though. Like they were both just so much fun, and it was one of those things I never thought about how much I needed until I read that. Like, oh, in Shang Chi, Aquafina is going to join the MCU, and I was like, of course she is. How did I not <laughs> think about how much we need that? And it made me realize. How desperately I'm now waiting for uh, Dan Levy to join in some capacity like Dan Levy as an MCU, like best friend sidekick character. Come on, that's gold. Somebody get him in there.
2: Well, we need we
0: do need the scene in the Marvel (laughs) Cinematic Universe at some point, don't we? Really? We do. He's doing really well as Peacemaker, though. So I don't know if WB would want to give him up, but I love the Peacemaker show for as much as I like She-Hulk and I love the Marvel movies. DC just keeps hitting home runs with their TV shows. So, uh, you know, let them do the Peacemaker. Let them do the Harley Quinn show and, and Doom Patrol. Those are all fantastic. And, you know, that's fine. Like, I'll, I'll let Cena stay there. I feel like eventually he might show up in the MCU. But we thought that about The Rock, too. And now he's also in DC. So it's it's just great that, like, we live in this era where these... A-list actors are doing these projects because and I say this all the time and it's always true, like how much I wish right now I could go back in time to like my 13 year old self and tell him, like, there's going to be so much stuff in the future, like the comics aren't as good, but boy, the movies, the TV shows, there's going to be so many comic book TV shows that you're not even going to watch half of them.
2: I mean, you know, I should tell the teenage me that uh, you know the the uh, the Thor that was in the the Incredible Hulk film from back in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, young young Marv. There will be a decent Thor in about twenty five years. All right.
0: Yeah. Wait till you see what they do with Thor. They cast this guy who's just brilliant at it, and you'll never picture anyone playing Thor again that's a bad (laughs) thought i have i i have to see if that movie's available somewhere because i'm not sure that movie's on my list but i'm not it's probably on youtube if i had to guess i'll i actually have a couple made for tv comic book movies that are on my show's list that you can only find on youtube and no one's pulled those yet but someday (laughs) well
2: can't you find that really bad version of fantastic four on youtube
0: yes that's on youtube and that is on the list that's one of the movies i'm talking about but no one's pulled it yet there was a 96 or 97 i remember watching a generation x tv show that came out on fox that is on youtube it's on the list that That's on DVD, if you really want to buy it. Oh, really? Well, I, I probably... I'm not a big physical media guy for the movies. I probably have, like, three DVDs to my name, but...
2: Yeah, maybe. <laughs> if if it's got any behind-the-scenes, like, you know, um, talks to the people making it, perhaps they'd say, uh, you know, you'd have somebody in commentary going,
0: I don't know what we were thinking. <laughs> Why? Why did you cast a white girl to play Jubilee? Why did you cast a black kid to play Mondo? Ah, eh, we just didn't care.
2: We're not even going there. No. <laughs> I'm not touching that. The, I'm not touching that aspect of the films. No, because let's face it: if you'd have had somebody who was, you know, who looked correct according to the comics, then you would have probably have cast Stephen Lang as uh Nick Fury because he looks very much like the old the Nick Fury from the older comics.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Paul but, Paul Rudd as Nick Fury. That's a Or no, no. Stephen Lang the Okay, yeah, the guy from Avatar. You said Stephen Lang and I was thinking Scott Lang. And okay, yeah, yeah, Stephen Lang. I love that guy too. He was in Avatar, he was in that horror franchise uh Don't Breathe. Yeah. Yeah, he would be a good Nick Fury original flavor nick fury yeah yep there's a role also for pa- him somewhere. also paul rudd is nick fury why not why not? No. <laughs> why not
2: i think they've cast really well with paul rudd as as, as ant-man as scott lang
0: yeah i mean paul rudge is so adorable you give him any character that he can kind of have fun with and it's gonna work
2: and the interesting thing is there with ant-man is you know People sort of like relegated the films to the sidelines of the Ant-Man, but I actually think that this third one will be integral to whatever the eventual end will be of this phase.
0: Yeah, Kang is supposed to be in the next Ant-Man movie, and obviously they announced that what the the fifth Avengers movie is the Kang dynasty. So obviously whatever happens in quantum mania is going to impact that Avengers movie. It'll be interesting to see with all the TV stuff they've done and with all the movies that have come out since Endgame when we get to the Kang dynasty, exactly who will be the Avengers now.
2: That's true. Will it include any of the thunderbolts or anybody, you know, yeah. you never know, but I think that the hiding some things with those with the thunderbolts anyway, that that picture that's come out. I think there's a bit of something going on there. In because you don't know, I don't think we know everybody that's going to be in that film.
0: Oh, okay. Interesting. I saw the picture once, like I know ghost was in it and um, the the red guardian and why the, the Florence Pugh version of black widow and taskmaster was in it. Who else was in it? I can't remember besides some of the Winter soldier. Winter soldier. Yeah. Yeah. It seems weird. I guess he would probably be the leader of that team. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. But I know some
2: people online have said that they think that red Hulk is in there, but you'd need to somehow another build up red Hulk to introduce him into there. Really? I don't think they've really got the time to be able to do that efficiently.
0: Well, have you? Oh, <laughs> this is dangerous territory. I know how people can be with spoilers. Have And this isn't a spoiler. I promise it's not just my asking this question. Did you see today's episode of She-Hulk?
2: Not yet. No. Okay, because
0: she mentions Red Hulk. They're, red okay. Hulk's not on the episode you just you know how she talks to the audience she gets to a point in the episode where she's like oh i wonder what's going to happen next is there going to be a hulk but he's red okay there we go so that's it that's all i'll tell you about the episode but since she just happened to mention it like maybe they might be doing something with red hulk i don't know possibly
1: What's up, everybody? This is Chris from the podcast Real Film Reviewed, and you're listening to Marv on Pods Like Us.
2: So what's your favorite film memory?
0: Um, (laughs) Or a favorite? Probably depends on what you mean by... So this was... I I love going to the movies, I I just am a huge fan of it to this day. I remember in the biggest throes of COVID people saying like, oh, this will probably be the end of movie theaters. And I just, I hope that's never the case. I hope movie theaters don't end until after I do, because I love going to them. But I've had such weird experiences at the movie theater. And like, you wouldn't think they're good experiences, but just because of how odd they are, they, I, I can look back on them fondly. Like I saw, the most recent Hellboy movie in theaters. And I just remember being in the theater and trying to watch this movie with my wife, but there was a a single guy who came and sat just a few seats away from us in a trench coat. And my poor wife just wouldn't stop staring at this guy. She was convinced like, oh, we're all dead (laughs) because we live in America. And you know, you gotta, gotta worry about these things. And I went to see a movie called... The Covenant. Maybe it was a completely irrelevant movie that came out in the two thousands about hot dude witches. Yep. And I went and saw that, and this guy sat down to right next to me and the girl I was dating at the time, and throughout like the first third of this movie, just ate an apple. And it's just like, who eats an apple in a movie? It's so loud and obnoxious. <laughs> I had I had an experience where I went to see the first Ghost Rider movie, yep. and. We were the first people in the theaters. The second people in theater sat right behind us. And I just remember this, this teenage kid behind me during the entire movie, he's just reciting the dialogue back to the movie. Somebody in the movie asks a rhetorical question and this kid behind me answers it. He has his feet up on the back of my chair. So like I'm having wow. to lean forward. And at one point during the movie, he sneezes. And it's quiet and somebody else in the movie theater says, God bless you, which is also weird to do. Like, <laughs> why you are just God blessing random people who've sneezed in the, the theater? And this kid lost his mind, just started yelling, shut up. Who said that? And it's just so weird. Like, you go to the movies and I'm making it sound terrible, but it's just you put a bunch of people in this room and you're just all told, like, shut up and watch this movie. <laughs> and just the weird things that happen, like. You go to movies like I go to see a lot of horror movies. I love horror. If my podcast wasn't going to be about comic book movies, it would have been about horror movies. And you just see these people show up with like little kids and invariably like 20 minutes into the movie, they leave. And it's like, what did you think was going to happen? What, what, uh, what was the end game? Did you think there was going to be to bringing your four-year-old to see the exorcism? wow wow (laughs) it happens way more often than you would expect the amount of horror movies i go to see where people bring a little kid and then end up leaving like i had no idea this movie would do this (laughs) i am aghast
2: mind you i went to go and see basic instinct having no knowledge of what the film was about
0: (laughs) i mean don't get me wrong too because like I grew up in the 80s with bad parents like I when I was single digits old like six seven years old I was watching all the Jason movies so like I get it but it's like not not in the theater my parents didn't take me to a crowded theater and it plop me down to watch Jason at six years old and not expect me to cause an uproar in the theater.
2: Now I need to find out what Sean's first memories of uh, from review it yourself, what his first memories are to have made him the way that he is.
0: <laughs> Scary memories, I'm sure for Sean. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so uh, do you know what? I think I should get, shall I go to that question now? Sure. But Sean, thing. sure. Let's have a look. Let's see if you can hear this.
1: Sean here from oh, review yourself. That's review it yourself. I I know I have to speak quite quickly. Anyway, thanks to Marv from Pods Like Us for asking me to send Stew from Stew World Order or because it's Halloween right now, Boo World Order. Nicely done, Stew, very imaginative. It, I just thought I'd send send a quick question. Marv asked me to send a question. And for people wondering, don't worry. I'm hoping it'll be on Pods Like Us soon. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Scheduling, you know. So Stew. My question for you is, what is your favourite scene in Batman and Robin? Uh, no, hang on, hang on. Before you answer, don't tell me it's when it finishes. Because that's a cop out answer. A cop out. And you've you know, you're very astute, you describe things very well. So seriously, what what's your favourite scene? By the way, it's still ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Have a good episode.
0: Sean irrationally loves that movie on a level that I just can't accept. <laughs> so my favorite scene, i you know what? I gave Batman and Robin some credit whenever we talked about it, because, I mean, the, the whole point of my show is we're going to talk about a movie. We're going to give every movie at least two ups and at least two downs, because I believe like, hey, you got to be fair everything has good and bad qualities. Like I I can give downs to Avengers Endgame. I can give ups to Catwoman. Like that's the way it is. I just have to look for them sometimes. Batman and Robin, I had several ups. I would say my favorite scene in Batman and Robin is... Almost any time Poison Ivy is on stage because Uma Thurman is just going for it in that movie. And I, I I said this was one of my ups in the episode is like she is clearly the one person who looked around and was like, I see what movie I'm in. This is fine. <laughs> this isn't Kill Bill. I'm not trying. This isn't something that I need to have any pretense that I'm doing an artsy film she just went in and she purred her lines and she delivered everything like Shatner and you know god bless her Schwarzenegger also seemed to have a lot of fun but he Schwarzenegger like you know what he can do in weird roles but like to see Uma Thurman just go into that movie and just 100% embrace the campiness of it I, anytime she was on screen
2: I'll agree with that <laughs> absolutely it's it's a bit like um and it's it's not a good film but jim carrey knows what film he's in with batman
0: forever but nobody else does in it's that weird because because i've covered both movies on my show someone pulled even the score pulled um batman forever and sean and bill came on as a team and they pulled batman and robin and genuinely Batman and Robin is a better film because Batman and Robin knew what it was. It felt like when they went from Tim Burton to Joel Schumacher, Schumacher clearly wanted to make Batman 66 stuff. He wanted to make Adam West Batman stuff. But with Batman Forever, he was still so tied to what Tim Burton made that he was trying to squeeze a square shaped peg of batman 66 into the batman 89 universe and it didn't work whereas by the time he got to batman and robin he just said screw it i'm making my own movie i don't care about what came before it and it was bad and campy but you saw what he was going for like he just made what he wanted to make and it's better than batman forever because yeah jim carrey was there and i think he kind of got what schumacher wanted to do but like you said no one else quite did everyone else still thought they were making tim burton movies and they weren't going to be anymore
2: but i feel really bad for i, I shouldn't really say this i feel really bad for val kilmer because i think under other circumstances if it had been direct straight after uh michael keaton under other circumstances i think he would have actually made a decent bruce wayne and and batman
0: Oh, yeah. Val Kilmer would have done a great job with a better movie, but we'll never get to know because he got Batman forever instead. (laughs) Right.
2: So show description then for anybody listening. Stu makes a show that's about different comic book movies. And having been somebody who's been on the show, uh, we pick three different numbers at random. And then Stu tells us which what those three numbers equate to as the films. And then we have to pick which one of those three films that we've, um, that we end up viewing and then discussing. And I was on the show talking about the um, classic um, teenage mutant ninja turtles, three turtles in time.
0: Yeah. So I have, I think, As of right now, the list is 104 deep. It's so weird. Like there are so many. And even when I started this show, I had no idea how many movies are based on comic books and even 42. Actually, no, because I have so many recorded, I haven't released. I have done 57 episodes of the show and the list still stands at 104 deep. So, and granted, not all of them are winners. Some of them are animated movies that are released on HBO Max. Some of them are, we had talked about this before we started recording, bad made-for-TV movies that you can find on YouTube, like the Generation X movie and the Roger Corman Fantastic Four. But, I mean, I've really never had to go that deep because there are just so many that are, you know, like Iron Man quality movies. And... People come on, they give me three numbers. I see what three movies they pulled from the list based on their number. And yeah, they choose the one they want to talk about. And from there just like I said earlier, it's ups and downs. You got to say nice things. You got to say bad things. Then at the end of the episode, we give it a rating out of 10. And I usually come up with some kind of talking point, which I'm very bad at. It's usually like the middle of the episode. I'm like, crap, I didn't come up with a talking point. Here's what it's going to be. Cause I know for turtles in time, we talked about uh time travel in movies. Cause it just came to me while we were recording. I was like, well, I need an idea.
2: <laughs> but. You're right. I mean, it's amazing. A lot of people, I think, wouldn't know because I mean, you've got the. It's all about superhero, say Marvel and DC to the majority of the public, but they don't realise that there are other areas as well. I mean, you could always go into you know blood, that the Bloodshot, the film that I didn't pick, which is from uh, Valiant Comics. Yes. So you know, and then you've got others as well, like a lot of. Um, anime characters are based on manga which Mm -hmm. is you know from from comics in in japan so you know you've got all those as well
0: yeah we have had akira was one of the first couple of episodes that came out we pulled one of the ones i have recorded but not released yet someone pulled ghost in the shell so you have that to look forward to and then, like, y- you started hinting at is there are a lot of other movies based on comics that you might not know were based on comics. The Tom Hanks movie Road to Perdition is on the list. It's based on yeah, a comic. That's a graphic novel. Uh, Vigo Mortensen's uh, History of Violence, I want to say. Snowpiercer, the Bong Joon-ho movie about the train, that's on the list just stuff like that. Ghost World starring Scarlett Johansson was based on a comic. It's on the list. The the Johnny Depp, uh, Jack the Ripper movie from hell. I mean, there has been a lot of movies that just because they aren't superheroes, you don't might not think like that's based on a comic book, but they are. And so, like, I'm not going to lie. Superheroes have always been my bread and butter growing up. I loved the superhero comics. I still love the superhero comics, but Anything that I think people have access to that was based primarily on a comic book, it's on the list. And then you run into the weird kind of like the masters of the universe movie. There definitely were He-Man comic books, but that kind of started off as a toy line first. So I kind of go back and forth. Like, will I ever get to a point where I throw the, uh, the masters of the universe movie on the list? Probably because I love that movie and everyone should watch it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm just getting out a handful of ones that are in my side of me at the moment. So Black Black Panther's in
0: front. What else you got there? Oh, Shang-Chi.
2: Yeah. Um, Oh, where's the, uh, I've got Ant-Man down there as well. The, the, the the recent run of Ant-Man is really good. Oh, okay.
1: um, Is it
0: still Scott Lang in that run? uh, Yes. Yes. I think so. Okay. Yep. There's been Um, so many, ant-mans in the comics i wasn't sure if the current comic iteration was still scott lang or eric o'grady or what or if they went back to pims
2: <laughs> and then i got really it was really complicated when i was reading the the recent x-men uh run or a recent one where he had them where you you had to read them in a certain order because they were being coming out alongside of each other so at, at the back of the book back of each comic it's telling you what order to read them in because you'd have one series running in, running in conjunction with another series, and you'd have to read them in order to get the story. And it's but then yeah. again, that, that's Jonathan Hickman. I mean, he's he's always I, strange.
0: I'm wondering is that the X of Swords storyline that you're talking about? Because that I was reading two or three of the X Men books, but I wasn't reading the entire line of X Men books. I was reading Excalibur, Marauders, and. Another one I can't remember. And they came out with X of Swords. Oh, X Factor was the other one I was reading. And they came out with X of Swords, where it was just this big 20-some issue crossover where they wanted you to buy every single X-Men title. And I was just like, no, I'll just stop instead. How about that? I'll just, uh, instead of getting me to read all the other books, I'll just stop reading the ones I am because comics are five dollars an issue i'm not doing this anymore when it was the 90s and they did those crossovers and comics cost a buck fine whatever i'll buy like some issues of thor and silver surfer i don't normally read so that i can get a whole story but like comics are five dollars now i'm not buying every x-men comic for titles i don't read just to get a story
2: People who've only seen the film of Civil War, you're very lucky because the amount of comics we had to buy to get all of that story from all of the different comics that were, that had all bits in them to do with that main story, there were so many of them.
0: Yeah. And it's there was a book called Civil War. It was six issues long. You'd think that would be by itself the entire Civil War storyline, but like, as you're reading civil war between issues one and two stuff has happened and between issues two and three stuff has happened. Like you don't actually see where Spider-Man turns on Iron Man's side in the civil war book, because that happened over in amazing Spider-Man. So you go from like issue four of civil war to issue five and all of a sudden Iron Man's hunting down Spider-Man and it's like, yep, got to read these other books. I don't know what to tell you, but they want their money, man.
2: They do. They do. (laughs) Where's my. I'm going to have to go and fetch my charger for my laptop because it's just suddenly told me that my battery's going. I thought it was in here. Oh dear. This will look good if I put it out on video. (laughs) (laughs) Dear me. Hello to all of you boys next door, mums and dads, new weds and nearly deads, introducing Dangerous Amusements, a brand new podcast where we talk about the music of Elvis Costello. I'm Stu Arrowsmith and in each episode I'll be joined by a special guest to chat all things Elvis and I'll be asking them to help me compile the ultimate Elvis Costello playlist. We're all professionals here.
0: (laughs) And we're back. (laughs) Short commercial break. Yes, I could put a commercial in there.
2: (laughs) dear me. I'm sure I was going to go somewhere with that. I don't know, but... um, You know, the... I think they've only touched the surface just going on a tangent. I think they've only just touched the surface with Valiant Comics because there's a lot of comics that they brought out that I think would really, really work wonderfully uh, in, in a film basis. Like, I mean, I bought I bought a lot of comics in, I don't know if you know it. The the uh, is it Ivar, the the time the time traveler or something, Ivar that travels through time or whatever, and that's a really good comic from Valiant. And then you've got uh Oh, what's the one the Samurai warrior that I've got as well? Oh, Rao or Rai. That's the
0: one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would be good. I could see a now that they have, you know, CGI looks so good, you could do a really good uh Magnus robot fighter. I know Archer and Armstrong is much more lower to the ground. You could do a easily do a TV series or something with those.
2: I think that's perfect for a TV series that one I've got a lot of those as well.
0: Yeah. And there's just there's a ton of stuff at image. I think most of it would probably look better as a TV series, like something like sex criminals. Like you're not going to make a movie out of that. But I think you could make a really good TV series out of that saga. Boy, Saga would be tough to translate into anything. It would have to be a high-budget TV series, but you really couldn't do it justice in a two-and-a-half-hour movie. So Saga deserves to be translated. They made the cartoon of Invincible. Obviously, The Walking Dead is you know, what it is. It became a big phenomenon for a while there. There's a ton of stuff at Image. Because yeah. I know you have a question that you're going to ask me later on that I will get back to something very specific on Image on that I, I really want to see a movie of.
2: Brilliant. I think William Shatner is probably after the making films and TV series
0: out of his tech series because they were comics. (laughs) Wow, that is a deep. That's like going back to the uh, when Clive Barker had some Marvel comics out there. Let's bring those in. uh, What what were those called? Ecto Kid and... (laughs)
2: I bought some of those.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I I 100% had some of those growing up. Like, I remember going, like I said, there was a video store that also had a spinner rack whenever I was a kid. And I remember, for whatever reason, going and seeing those on that spinner rack and being like, all right, let's get some Clive Barker comic books. I remember when kind and Ecto kid.
2: When i read his book, Weave World, I was reading it and I was thinking there is no way they could translate that to a film because it's (laughs) just so there's so much in there to unpack. Mm -hmm. But Hellraiser is a damn good film based on one of his products.
0: Yeah, you know what? I just within this past month saw Hellraiser for the first time and. I'm trying to go through. I've always been a big horror guy. I kind of said, you know, growing up on the Jasons and I've watched all the franchises and I've watched all the horror from the last several decades, but I've been working really hard since COVID started to fill in the blanks on my classic horror movies. So I've watched a lot of the old black and white universal horror movies. I watched American Werewolf in London for the first time. The Exorcist for the first time. Black Christmas, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And yeah, I finally got around to Hellraiser and it's just you watch Hellraiser and it's just like, what is wrong with the inside of your head, Clive Barker? I'm concerned about you. (laughs)
2: But I still think one of the best interpretations or adaptations of one of his characters
0: is Tony
2: Todd as Candyman is amazing.
0: Yeah, you know what? That's another blind spot for me. I never saw the original Candyman. I saw the new one in theaters because I expected it to be a remake, but it's more like a legacy sequel. And I remember just going into it and being like, I don't know what's (laughs) happening. I don't understand the story because I expected it to be a remake and just tell me everything. And I guess it kind of did, but there was also a lot of stuff that came from the first movie that you kind of were expected to know. It was just like a little over my head, I guess I need to go back and, and find and watch the original Candyman.
2: But it's strange that one because because you know so I've I've seen Candyman with Tony Todd, and then when I've spoken with him online, you know I've thought so I, I'm thinking oh I'm going to send him a message you know and sort of like just this that and the other and I'm thinking this this is the Candyman so I'm sort of like uh, like this <laughs> and he's don't upset him. Like- He's such a nice guy. It's like, <laughs> why? How is that possible? It's like when you see Robert
0: England, you're expecting Freddie. And
2: you're, yeah. No, it's not.
0: <laughs> I, You know what's funny about that is, and this is just correlating into another area of pop culture that I love. There's a pro wrestler, Adam Cole, who is, he can really only play a heel. He can only play a bad guy. He's been a bad guy almost his entire career. Apparently in real life, everybody thinks he's the biggest sweetheart and everybody loves this guy. Like you'll get all these different wrestlers who have major like beef with each other and hate each other. But you ask them like, well, what do you think about Adam Cole? They're like, oh, he's great. (laughs) So it's like apparently to be a really good bad guy, you have to start off in real life by being a really good person. And then you just let everything out once the camera's rolling.
2: It's all acting really, you know. (laughs) I shouldn't say that. So what is the history of your show then still world order? I mean, I'm guessing it's called Stu world order because that's your surname. It is.
0: I, uh, that goes back to the wrestling thing back in the nineties, there was the NWO, the new world order and wrestling was blowing up in the nineties. And me and my buddies, we would get together every Monday night and watch wrestling. And, we just kind of dubbed ourselves the stew world order. And so I joke that I've had one good idea for naming something in my entire life. And I'm just taking it with me everywhere I go. So when I branched off and did my own podcast, I decided it would be called the stew world order. I didn't even know what I was going to talk about. I thought it might be a wrestling podcast at first. Then I was going to get together with a buddy and just do anime and manga. And then I kind of got into, well, I'm going to do the movie idea instead with the comic book movies. And where it came from is I initially from 2018 to 2020, I was on a strictly comic book podcast and that kind of fell off. That didn't work. So whenever I went off on my own, it was, I like comic books. I want to talk about comic books, but I didn't want to be stuck just talking about comic books. I wanted to be able to talk about these movies as they all come out. So I figured like, what if I just talk about all the comic book movies and One of the things is when I was doing that comic book podcast from 18 to 20, I had gotten so ingrained in the indie podcast community which especially on twitter and just on most social media is is fantastic because you have all these people and they all want to see everyone else succeed like it's not an ego driven community at all so i thought okay i want to do comic book movies because i want to talk about them But my second idea was like, I'm not doing a show that's just me talking. Because if I did that, my episodes would be 10 minutes long. I don't have anything to say by myself. What I wanted to do was bring on people like yourself, kind of like what you do here at Pods Like Us. I wanted to bring on other creators, mostly podcasters. But I've had some indie comic writers and some other writers and what have you that I I bring them in. And my show is about putting a spotlight on them, talk about your thing, tell people what you do, then we're going to talk about this movie for a bit. But primarily, like, I want to shine the spotlight on people that deserve to have a spotlight shined on them. If anybody listens to my show, the first thing I want you to do is stop listening to my show and listen to my guest show because they deserve it. Like, I'm here, I'm doing my thing. My show is just about like, I'm just having fun. Like, this is what I want to do. I did that comic book podcast for a few years. It made me realize how much I liked doing this. So I'm going to do it anyway. And, you know, God bless. If anybody wants to listen to my show, then what I want them to get out of it is how awesome my guests can be and move on to what they're doing and listen to them, too, because there is so much stuff out in the podcasting realm that it's just there are podcasts about everything. And, like I said, the people on there, you obviously are are so incredibly gracious. and you you post blog articles where you talk about what the episode of my show is about. And it's just like you don't have to do that. That's amazing. <laughs> but you're just such an awesome dude that it's what you do. And we talked about Sean and he asked that question, and he is, such a nice guy and so fun to talk to and bill from bill reads bad reviews again just a relentlessly almost annoyingly positive guy but it's just like he's just like living sunshine like you can't just not love bill and other people i i'm just gonna get into just shouting out people now but like john from the pint legitimately a really good friend of mine now i met him through podcasting ken from the odph he's another guy like you where it's just like the level of commitment you have to helping other independent creators succeed is is just humbling and i hope with the stew world order to be half the benefit to people that you sir and ken have been because what you and ken and other people do it's just it's it's Inspirational that you just work so hard to make other people look good, and I take that and think, like, yeah, that's what I want to be. I want to get other people over and let people know, like, there's so much good stuff out there, and people work so hard on it, and they deserve all of the attention they can get.
2: Yep, I think they do, and that's why I keep posting about it, is so that they can get that attention that they deserve. While you were talking, I suddenly thought, and I'm going to do a shout out here. I've always wanted to see Rob Liefeld in your show.
0: <laughs> I understand he's a a really nice guy. I'm sure he's too busy to come on my show, but maybe I'll reach out to Rob Liefeld someday and be like, "Do you want to talk about a random comic book movie?" I understand he like. He knows who he is and he knows the jokes about himself and he can't draw feet and everything. He's heard it all a thousand times. And apparently, unless you're an actual jerk to him, he is very funny and self-effacing and uh, apparently a really nice guy. So God bless him. Like I said, I'm sure he's too busy for my show. But if you're listening, Rob Liefeld, and you want to come on my show, I I 100% respect you. I think you have a brilliant attitude and I, I think you're great. I you know what I I still think like some great comics were drawn by Rob Liefeld he he really is a great artist and you know he has his moments we've all seen the the Captain America chest and it's you know kind of a joke in comics that odd picture of him but like I think back to comics I loved growing up and like Uncanny X-Men number 245. He guest penciled on that one, drawing like the The Boys Night Out story that lampooned the DC invasion storyline. And it just looked great. And I loved Mark Silvestri. I loved him. He was the regular X-Men penciler, but they brought Liefeld in for that issue to fill in. And it was just like, this is also awesome. Great.
2: Yep. And he created Deadpool and and Yes. You know, we could keep going there, but he, 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 so here we go. I'll explain two things about Rob Liefeld. So number one, he does do a podcast of his own. I can't, oh, okay. rem- I can't remember the title of it now, but also you ready for surprise here? You know, the episode we did where we were talking about uh, 20 years of Spider-Man, the first Spider-Man film with Tobey Maguire. Yes. Up until about four days before that episode was due to record, Rob was actually going to be on that episode. Oh, shit. Jesus. That would have been fantastic. What happened? So but he had a family thing going on where he had to go away because I think his son was due for um, didn't he graduate or something or around that time or something, his son or something.
0: Oh, well, that would have been fascinating. That would have been
2: great. I just put a thing out there and said, Rob, would you like to And he sort of like sent he was OK for it? And then he sort of apologized. and. But oh, yeah. he's Like I said, cool. he's supposed
0: to be a very nice guy. So I can't imagine he just blew you off by any stretch. I'm sure if he had to cancel, it was for an important reason. That's that's awesome. That's just great to know that, you know, he listens to the requests of people who are fans and is willing to do stuff like that. So maybe maybe I will, I will reach out to Rob Liefeld someday. Come on my show. Give me three numbers, Rob Liefeld. But the awful thing is, I could
2: just imagine it now. He'd probably show up in one of these pictures on the Zoom, and I wouldn't be able to speak for like five minutes, because I'd think, think, holy shit, it's Rob Liefeld. I'm talking to Rob Liefeld. It's the Deadpool man. (laughs) I loved Youngblood. So... How do you record and edit your show? Do you do it this way, like we're doing now with Zoom and, you know?
0: I am something of an old-fashioned dinosaur, and I still mostly use Skype because it's whatever works best for me. I know that nowadays we have StreamYard and Zoom and, and all kinds of different systems, and I have, for other people's shows, used a bunch of different things. I still find Skype works the easiest for me. And for a while there, I did just record the conversation, then go through and edit as best I could. Um probably around episode 30 something, I started doing the separate audio tracks because it just gives me more control. And in cases of people accidentally talking over each other, it's so much easier to clean up and make things sound better. So I usually record my end in Audacity, have my guest record their end as either an MP3 or a wave, send it to me. Then I match it up and, and put out the show. But yeah, still using Skype. And it's one of those things like Anytime I have a new guest who hasn't been on my show before and I'm like, so are you on Skype there? They give me that weird look where it's like, no, but I guess I'll download it. Because <laughs> every time I've tried to use something else, like I'll run into some kind of problem. I mentioned I have Snowpiercer on the list, right? Yep. Well, somebody pulled Snowpiercer. We watched and talked about Snowpiercer, but we didn't use Skype because they were having issues with it. And after we recorded, I have my audio track for Snowpiercer and the guy that I was recording with didn't record his end. (laughs) So I'll never release it, but I have, quote unquote, an episode of Snowpiercer that's just me talking to air.
2: Now then, so what's your
0: first up? (laughs) Oh. (laughs) that's interesting <laughs> that's exactly it i i have a patreon i've always kind of thought like maybe i'll release it to just the people subscribing to the patreon but i don't want to embarrass the person who was recording with me on that episode and forgot to record their end so i probably won't ever but i do get a kick out of it i, I don't know what to do with this audio track i have it saved like my just me talking about snowpiercer to to a ghost
2: send him the file and then he can record his response reactions and send he you the reactions
0: oh that would be interesting that would be amazing i'll send it to him just like yeah just fill in the blanks but you've got to fit it in this space yeah yeah you can go shorter don't go longer because i can edit out the spaces don't go longer i don't want to have to put spaces in
2: I'm offering you all these suggestions. So so then you edit the, then I'm guessing you're editing audacity as well.
0: Yeah. I edit everything in audacity. Yep. And God, you know, I, I hope nothing ever happens to audacity because again, it's the Skype thing for me. Like I don't want to have to learn anything new. So audacity is working for me. I hope that it always works and I don't ever have to go learn how to do another program. Cause I know there was, a moment there where people were concerned about audacity, and there was some rumor about they were going to start having spyware programs. And so I tried for a minute. I was like, "All right, I have a Mac here. I know I have GarageBand, and I opened GarageBand and was trying to edit an episode in there. And I got like five minutes in and just thought, like, No, this isn't working. The buttons aren't where I want them to be. I know how to. I learned how to do one thing, and that's it."
2: It's like Homer Simpson. If you've got to learn something else, you've got to take something out to make room for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I don't want to take anything out. There's too much <laughs> There's too much useful stuff in my brain. I can't delete anything at this point.
2: No. So, and then you've... Uh, so- you know what's really cool is that music at the beginning and the end of the episode as well by punchline and then punchline
0: yes they are a they started off as kind of a pop punk band i actually went to high school with them the lead singer steve sabosley of punchline i went Like I met him in fourth grade. He and I had fourth, fifth grade together, went through middle school together. He is a fantastic guy, just another relentlessly nice and positive guy. The bassist, Chris, also went to our high school. He played on the hockey team at our high school. Also just a fantastic guy. If you talk to them on, on social media, I can't say enough nice things about them. So... When I was going to branch off and do my own podcast, one of the things I wanted was I want the show to sound really good. And these guys have been a band for 25, 20 some years, like since the early 90s. And I watched these guys go from like high schoolers in a band who it was neat that I knew people who played instruments and it was fun to watching like holy shit these guys became a really good band in my lifetime like i watched them go from like this is fun and i enjoyed that they're doing it to holy crap these guys are actually really good and they they have morphed and evolved themselves like they still have their pop punk roots but they've become more kind of an indie rock band like they're not just like punk songs about heartbreak anymore and i i reached out to steve and i was like hey I'm going to start a new podcast. Do you mind if I use your music for the podcast? And he was like, oh yeah, that'd be awesome. Go ahead. So yeah, I have them. I, I pimp their stuff all the time because definitely listen to Punchline. Go on Spotify, go on, what is it, Bandcamp, uh, any of those sites where you can get music. And they're fantastic. They have a ton of albums at this point. They, um in 2012, they had a thing where like, we have to become number one on iTunes, even if for a minute. <laughs> so they had an album that they released and they just pushed it so hard and they they got up to like i want to say number 6 overall but they did hit number 1 in rock and they were like all right that's good enough we were at least for a little bit they were the number one selling album on the rock list on itunes and man they deserve it they've they've toured all over the world they've been doing this for so long and yeah i just i love the music for my show cuz it makes my shows sound so much more polished than it would if it was just me I can't play no music.
2: Well, adding to that polish, you've also got the clips that you get from the, from the films that you
0: watch as well. I do. And that is, I am sure there is, a vastly better way to do this. It's again, it's, I will figure out one way to do something. It becomes my easiest way. I just, I put the movie on my TV. I open up audacity. I aim the microphone at my TV and I'm just like record. And then like, I just go in and kind of fix the, uh, the audio in audacity. I always listen to the audio clips and think like, yeah, this doesn't sound as good as anything else in the episode, but I don't think it's, So bad that it detracts from anything. It's the easiest way for me to do it. So it's just like, yeah, this is what I'm gonna do.
2: I think it sounds great. You know, (laughs) it's got a different feel to it to the rest of the show, so it sticks out more. Do you know what (laughs) I mean? It's got a professional. You know, you could have just said, yeah, I use this, this, and this, and it's done for this sort of effect. You know, you you could have just lied. You know, if you (laughs) want.
0: Nope, nope. That's I am just (laughs) recording off of my television with my uh, my podcast microphone.
2: But at least you're not doing it with one of those little tape recorders that we used to have back in the day, you know.
0: Oh uh, no, I don't. I don't have that. I, like a recorder or like a reporter hiding it in my jacket to get somebody recording to-
2: a cassette recorder this big, yeah. trying to hide that in your jacket. Get in there. <laughs> so, um, so, and then you've got that great logo,
0: which um, I mean. I tried to do it myself. You did. I I have so many different ones because I have gotten I mentioned the pint earlier and how good of friends I am with John. Also, the the co-host on the pint is Lloyd, also a good friend with him uh he's an incredible artist i've seen the stuff that he's painted and drawn and he's just amazing and again when i started doing my show i i'm responsible for like 50 percent of my show because like i started my show and i went out the punchline and i was like hey can i use your music and i went out to lloyd and i was like hey can you throw me some designs for logos because again like I I don't have any artistic skill. I wish I did. Anybody who can draw, anybody who can do graphic design, I am wildly envious of and have been my entire life. But I went out to Lloyd and I was like, can you throw me a whole bunch of logos? And so he designed me, God bless him, like four different ones, like two rectangular sized ones and two different circle logos. And he gave them to me in all kinds of different colors and and shadings and everything. And I just use them all because I'm bad at branding. Like these are all great. Someone took the time to make these for me. And I don't care if like what it shows up as on iTunes is different than what it shows up as on Twitter. I people will figure it out.
2: I'm going to give something else away about both of us now, which is that I think one positive about our show is that we rely on other podcasters because they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. You know, so we we have other podcasters on our shows because then We just
0: ask them a question and (laughs) let them do what they do for a living off you go yeah they have skill sets i do not have like i am trying to learn how to do videos now i started a patreon like i said and my patreon is basically me experimenting on people like I'm going to make videos. Let's see how this goes. Because again, like I have a Mac, I can throw things in iMovie and it's, it's all very kindergarten level, but I have a lot of fun with it. Like I make it seem as cheesy as possible. Or like, I just have like stupid fireworks effects show up on my face and it says like, ta-da, and it's just (laughs) like, why not? Because I'm just having fun with it at this point.
2: So we're going to come to this bit that were you looking forward to this or not? What is it?
0: Top three comic book films. That is on the one hand, almost impossibly hard because there's so many that I love so many that like I would put on letterboxd as like a five-star film. But on the other hand, you know what comes immediately to mind are Avengers end game, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Like, I think those three are all in my top five movies forever. Like, any genre, anything. I think those three are, like, top five for me. I will watch those three movies over and over until I die. And I just think they're great. Like, I I think that's a... It's so hard because it's like, now I'm not mentioning the Dark Knight. Now I'm not mentioning Logan. I'm not mentioning Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, there are so many good ones, but also... You asked me for three, and if you ask for four, I think a fourth would be really hard to, you know, what would my fourth one be? But for three, yeah, it's got to be those. I love all three of those. I've only done one of them for the show. I did Avengers Endgame way back on episode four. No one has pulled Scott Pilgrim or uh, Spider-Verse yet, so I very much look forward to talking about those still. Well, I think Spider-Verse was a game changer in many ways personally yeah and the weird thing about spider-verse is i didn't want to see it i remember it coming out and i remember thinking like it was back in the day when i had my comic book podcast and i thought all right i'll see it for the podcast but other than that i wasn't excited about it and i remember being in the movie theater and 15 minutes into that movie or so i was just like this is incredible yeah yep but there's
2: certain bits as well that you know with um The miss marvel series there's certain bits with that where there's things that effects that are used and it sort of like made me think of spider-verse in some ways like you'd have miss marvel walking along and then you'd have something happening graphically on a wall somewhere which was similar to the sort of effects that you'd have with the spider-verse
0: yeah the Miss marvel show i had really weird mixed feelings on i Absolutely adore Amon Vellani, and I want I want her to be the center of the MCU going forward. Make her the center of every movie. I think she is just radiant. And you hear her talk about Marvel properties, and she has such genuine energy, and she was great on that show. But I think, like to what you're talking about on the show. It started off with that in like episode one and episode two, and then those effects kind of fell off. And I thought like that was a miss. Like keep going with that kind of stuff because it made the show feel different.
2: It gave it a vibrancy and something and almost like little Easter eggs that you could you could grab onto and go, Oh, I noticed that and I noticed that. And yeah, like you said, as the series went on, that graphic side of it went down and it went just to being TV series
0: yeah yeah I thought that was kind of a miss because like you said it very much the first episode in particular made me think of Spider-Verse with the the stuff going on around her and it was it was such a good flavor that they kind of tailed off on and hopefully you know when we see more of her and I'm sure they'll do a season two of her show I want them to bring that back and, and not drop it off
2: there's got to be a series too and I'm looking forward to the Marvel's film as well to see what's oh, going yeah. on what's going on there what, what why is Captain Marvel suddenly appeared there and where, where is she what's going on yeah how do they all come together
0: ever since they announced the Marvels I've wanted that movie to come out and that's that one because of COVID it keeps getting pushed back and it's just like no I just I want this movie give me this movie because I could be in a minority, but I really, really liked the first Captain Marvel movie. And like I said, Amon Volani is a revelation as Kamala. And Monica Rambeau in the WandaVision show, she was terrific. And it's just like, yes, I want all three of these characters in a movie. And I just, I don't want to wait. I want it right now.
2: <laughs> Perhaps they're in that order so that they don't give. It's strange because it's almost like, you know, some films you think, oh, they've not put a a trailer out for that yet, but perhaps they haven't put a trailer out for that yet because something happens in something that comes before it that that
0: trailer would give away. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't even know when they've pushed the Marvels back to. Hopefully it's still relatively early 2023, but yeah, ever since they announced that one, that's been like one of my big targets. Like I have to see that one. I'm very excited for that one.
2: And I've still not uh, forgiven Marvel for putting the character of Hulk in the advertising for, for, you know, Infinity War when he wasn't even in the film.
0: I'm like, no! you know what i i get what you're saying but i kind of love that like because one of the biggest complaints about movies nowadays is that the trailers give everything away and when you go to the the cinema as much as i do you can't hide from them like if stuff's just released on twitter or youtube i can elect not to watch a trailer but i go to the movies like I can't hide from the trailers when they're showing up in the movies. And there've been so many movies where they just give so much away that I, I respect the hell out of Feige and Marvel just going like, we're just going to show you shit that doesn't happen. Yeah. You're going to get excited. You're going to get an idea of what's happening because we're also going to show you a lot of things that does happen, but you're not going to know what we're teasing you about and, and what's actually going to show up. And I think that's both ballsy and a good way to use trailers. Like, I mean, you know, the Avengers, you know what the storyline's going to be. So sure, show me some things where the Hulk's running along with the Avengers that don't actually happen. That, that's fun to me because now I don't know what I'm going to see. Like I really liked the movie Nope that came out this year but after I saw the first two trailers 500 times in theaters it was just like okay I know what's going to happen in this movie.
2: <laughs> yeah. I will say though I thought it was I thought it was funny that they actually put the ending of Endgame I mean of Infinity War was actually in the trailer but nobody realized. Yeah, where you've yeah. got Tony Stark there and it's all it's all over. But you don't know that that's actually the end of the film. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Creative man, the way they make trailers, I think that's another thing Marvel's been doing really well. Like, ever since Infinity War was the first one I can remember where they were definitely just showing you things that weren't going to happen.
2: But um, perhaps one of these days, we'll get an alternative version where they've got all the bits (laughs) that they
0: faked. (laughs) It's got to exist somewhere. I mean, they filmed that stuff, so... (laughs) It should be on all the DVDs or Blu-rays,
2: really, all that stuff. But, well, Kevin Feige knows what he's doing.
0: Yeah, in Feige, we trust. We do. We do. So
2: here we go, then. The, the Possibly the most interesting bit of the conversation, maybe. Three comic book characters that people might not know that you think should have their own film or TV series.
0: So this is the one I alluded to a while ago with Image, a comic I read all throughout the 90s, one of my favorite comics ever. And again, now that we have the technology to do this and make it look fantastic, I want a Savage Dragon movie. He was one of my favorite characters. I loved his book so much. Eric Larson's creation for Image comics that so much of image when it was created was a cash grab. Like I get their intent was like, we're going to go for creator owned freedom and everything. But when those guys separated off, they were mostly artists and they just came out with characters that look like what they did at Marvel and wanted to be a cash grab. Eric Larson took this idea that he'd been cultivating his entire life and he is still writing it. It started in 1993 And you can go to the comic store right now and get issue like 270 something of Savage Dragon. Like he is still doing it. He's trying to at least match Dave Sims' record for drawing and writing a book from one to 300 at least. So Savage Dragon still exists. And I really I want a movie of that like. We've gotten Hellboy movies. I haven't been enamored of them, but they've been good enough. And Hellboy looks great in them. So I know we can make a a Savage Dragon movie. Moving on from there, like this is a character I think most people know, but it's befuddling to me. Cause she's my favorite comic book character. And if you follow me on Twitter, you already know where I'm going here. Cause I talk about her ceaselessly Jubilee from the X-Men. We've gotten so many X-Men movies and a total of like five minutes on screen of Jubilee. And it just, it offends my sensibilities. I just want, we know the X-Men are coming to the MCU. I want Jubilee to be featured prominently in either a movie or a television show. That's all I want. Just give me that.
2: It's the same and, as I want a better representation of Rogue in the films than we yeah. got as well, because Rogue in the comics is a much more prominent character and there's more to her than the very little that we saw. No, no, nothing against Anna Paquin, who did a fantastic job with what she was given, but the character was just not the same in the films.
0: No, they gave her some stuff to work with in the first movie, And then in the second and third, they just progressively kind of wrote her character out. Like, well, you had your arc in the first movie and you're done. And, you know, we have an MCU now. Carol is right there. You can do the rogue absorbing Carol's powers thing and you get like, you know, the cartoon version of rogue who can fly and is super strong. I mean, it's right there. I'm curious if they'll ever get to that, but it, it seems like such easy pickings. And. I would say another character I'd really like to see. And it's it's another one that's so strange to me with all of the Spider-Man movies that they've made to this point. We've never seen the black cat. And I would like to see a black cat TV series on Disney Plus, something like that, that explores this character who kind of starts off as a thief and then becomes something of an anti hero. And I would like to see we saw in no way home. They're kind of, at least for the time being writing out the Peter and MJ relationship. Let's let's toy with the idea of him and Felicia for a while. I would like to see that.
2: Well, they were toying with the idea of something called silver and black at one point, weren't they? Wasn't that silver saber and black cat?
0: Yeah. Sony, Sony was throwing every Marvel property idea at a wall that they possibly could have. And Yeah, they were kind of thinking that there was a character in Amazing Spider-Man 2 who was Harry Osborn's secretary, who they named Felicia. And I don't know if if they had continued the Amazing Spider-Man movies, if that was going to end up being her. But yeah, just she's a really interesting character to me in the comics, and I want to see them do more with her. Absolutely. But I mean, what you said then about that with
2: with Sony, it's a bit like, what they used to do with with all the uh, DC comics. Can you remember when you'd get all these announcements like, we're bringing out this and this and this and this. And then they'd, they'd have all these titles up on the screen. We're having all these films coming out. And then you get one of those and the other's like, oh, we haven't got round to those yet. Yeah.
0: yeah. We, we changed our mind whenever things uh, flopped a little bit harder than we wanted we'll them to Batman, th- throw them at the wall and see <laughs> what sticks. Batman versus Superman was not the movie we thought it was going to be. And so we had to readjust our entire plan.
2: No, that's, that's isn't that the truth?
0: <laughs> so, Hey, this is Tim for bad counsel. You want some good counsel? Keep listening to the smooth dulcet tones of Marv on pods like us.
2: <laughs> so, how do you think the, the 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 I've got it here is the trajectory of comic book films? How do you think they're going? Because I mean, I would say we touched on this actually in the group chat show that you were part of, where we were saying that the the X Men film, I think the first X Men film, and the first Spider Man film. I think they were the sort of pivot where suddenly superhero and comic book films suddenly got that little bit of a raise and that's how come we've got to the stage that we are now. So how do you think that will carry on from now?
0: Um, I think we're kind of shifting to the point where, people are seeing there's a lot more stuff in the comic book medium than superheroes. And like I said, I, that's both good and bad because I love superheroes. I, I, There's always going to be this notion of like, oh, well, there's other stuff in comics than these superheroes, which is kids stuff. And it's just like, no, because you can tell really good superhero stories and Marvel and DC have that doesn't necessarily make the superheroes kids stuff. But at the same time, there are so many other great properties that you could still translate into TV shows or movies like how many years has Sandman existed and we just got a Sandman TV show and it was great. Constantine is a character that's had a movie and had a TV series and they keep doing stuff with him. Again, you're going back over to the image side of things. I mentioned saga. I mentioned sex criminals, but there's also uh monstrous, for example, is a great fantasy book that, I mean, you could make a TV series out of, and there's so many other manga properties that you could bring over and God bless Netflix, man. They try. They do a really bad job. <laughs> they do Cowboy try you, be- goes... <laughs> you know what? I I was so excited for that, and they canceled it like as soon as it started. Yeah. So I didn't yeah. watch it, and you know, it, the show could have been great. I don't know, but it was like as soon as they released it, they announced that they had canceled it. It was like what the DC universe did with their Swamp Thing show. They released the first episode and then announced they were canceling it. So it was like I'm not gonna get invested in this. But the one I was thinking of was the, the god-awful Netflix Death Note movie they made. And it was just like, oh, really? That's what you did with Death Note? Okay. Well, you, it's, it's you know, you get that gif of like, you tried. <laughs> but there's so many properties because, again, like with manga, it's not all, manga is not all Dragon Ball Z anymore than all comic books or Spider-Man. Like, manga is so good at doing stuff that has these lower more relatable stories and like some stories that I really like. Black Cat is a manga. Again, I'm talking about characters named Black Cat, but it's about a thief and it's kind of heroic. And there's some weird superpower stuff going on in there, but it's a really fun story about a a, a, a roguish thief character. There's a uh, Comey can't communicate, which is just about a really shy high school girl, and I think like you could make a TV series off that that would be hilarious. Like there's so many properties left, and you hear people say. Like comic book fatigue, superhero fatigue, because they've been releasing so much stuff for the last decade. But there's also all these other pipelines that haven't been touched yet. All these other properties that like you can sit here and say, I'm done with the MCU. I watched Endgame. I'm not interested in anything that comes after it. But don't let that write you off from, like I said, if they ever release a monstrous TV show, like by all means watch that because I bet it would be great. The Sabrina the Witch show that, you know, they they kind of adultized and, and made a new version of that was really good. And I'm glad people didn't just let the, you know, I'm sick of superheroes turn them off from watching stuff like that. It's always hit or miss though, because like, Why The Last Man, fantastic comic. When they finally got around to making a TV show of that, I again I didn't watch it, but I've not heard good things about it. So it's real hit or miss though. The problem with
2: why the X X Why The Last Man, I think one of the problems that they had was because they'd left it for so long to actually adapt it in a sense where the world had changed in such a way that they had to change the way that the story was to make it relevant to now and the way that things are now whereas back then things were completely different and but it's a difficult it's not the easiest story to actually put across
0: yeah i mean you would think like people like kind of post-apocalypse stuff which is what it is and it's it's not going to be sci-fi or, or cgi heavy or anything it's mostly going to be acting it's i i didn't watch it so i can't attest to what failed it i don't know if the acting was bad or that like you said if they just translated it to a different era poorly but it's weird to me that that one flopped
2: it's a fantastic story that it's based on though i think that's yes. one of, one oh, of the yeah, brian k
0: vaughn man like it's it's ridiculous. You look at everything Brian K. because he's also the guy that does Saga. He's done Ex Machina. He's done just so much stuff that Brian K. Vaughan has done. And you're just like, Brian K. Vaughan, leave some ideas for everyone else, okay? You don't get to write every good comic book that comes out, okay? Call Slow down. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, but, I,
2: I mean, I, I've said to people before, you know, that looking at the, ch- slightly changing the subject slight, a bit, X Men. I've always thought that when that now that it's reverted that they have the control over it in the MCU. The X Men. I actually think that X Men used to work best, or it works the best most of the time when it's when it is actually a continuous. So it's a story that's told over a certain amount of time in the comics. Most of the best stories are that way. Like you know the original oh god god forbid you know please please leave the phoenix saga for a few years we've (laughs) had two bad versions already yeah all right so um but that is over a long period of time so in a sense I think introducing the x-men to my mind if I was doing it I'd probably do it as a series to start with because of the amount of characters that you've got to get in there
0: Well, the interesting thing there is when you're talking about the X-Men, you're absolutely right. You had Chris Claremont writing the X-Men for 20 years. So you just had one guy writing the entire X-Universe side of things in Marvel, essentially. And so he had this vision and everything he did was leading to to something else that he was going to do. And nowadays and for the last like probably two decades in comics like you just don't see runs like that as much you see like somebody comes on for 10 issues then they leave and they rebrand the title with a new issue one and somebody's in for 20 issues and so it's hard to get that unified vision of like one big continuous story like claremont told and i think with feige being in charge of the mcu You have that like you have somebody who can sit down and that's probably what they're doing right now, wherever, like in in Universal Studios or wherever. I don't know where they're sitting down somewhere and they're probably writing like the X-Men timeline for the next 10 years of Marvel movies and stuff. And, you know, God bless them, because. For as big as the Marvel universe is, the X-Men universe is almost just as big. Like there are almost just as many X characters as there are Avengers, Spider-Man, Thunderbolts, everything else they've done. So, yeah, I mean, like once they decide to to push the X-Men button, which I think like they're doing a good job, they can hold off on that as long as they want because it's not going anywhere. No. But once they decide to push the X button, you've got a whole nother universe, essentially, that you can just start creating.
2: I, I mean, people online who have talked about this, I think in some ways they don't realize that because people have said, oh, what? why are they, why are they going for Fantastic Four? And they've not mentioned anything at all about the X-Men yet. And the reason for that is that Fantastic Four despite the versions that we've had before, although I will say, you know, there's good and bad bits about the ones that we've had, to be honest. Yeah. Um, But it's an easier property to be able to put out there. Whereas, like you said, the X-Men universe is so enormous. And like you said, almost the same as the whole of the MCU or Marvel, everything else. You've got all that in one comic series to try and put put in there it's a longer game that they've got to play in in essence to get them in there so they they make, make little hints here and there in the series and in the films that i think's really clever with how they've done it like and um i mean slightly altering miss marvel and then and then i loved that little like bit of the music there when they <laughs> mentioned about the mutant gene i heard that you know Yeah. These little hints are almost like a gradual building to it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's this is very much an oversimplification, but like the Fantastic Four are four characters like you can just bring them in and integrate them with everyone else you have and they will feel right at home. The X-Men universe is like. 200 some characters and I mean like granted I'm kind of dismissing on the fantastic four you've got villains like Annihilus and Doom and Galactus like so there's more than just the four members of the four but you're essentially it's four characters that you're just going to push in and they're going to fit in with everyone else but like the X-Men yeah you've got to handle that differently like that's going to be a much slower build because they have to figure out like okay while we've been telling a decade's worth of mcu storylines where have mutants been like they've got to figure out how you introduce these characters all of a sudden and then like i said it's do you start right off with wolverine and cyclops and storm do you start building off maybe with like kitty pride or some other like characters that people aren't quite as familiar with from the movies and the tv shows give us a jubilee (laughs) show make that the center of the x-men universe make me only happy and that's fine but i mean you just have so many characters that i mean the the method of attack that you have for how you want to do it you've got like 10 or 12 different roads to look at for the fantastic four it's one road you've got these four characters you're going to introduce them and that's it for the x-men like you could ask 20 people how should you introduce the x-men to the mcu and you're going to get 20 different answers yep
2: but i will say the recent announcement with the deadpool 3 i think that is really clever how they're doing that the fact that then that's that's that will possibly be the first sign of an actual x X x-men characters in the in actually in the mcu as such and i think that's a really smart move to use because you've got in dead, in Deadpool alone, you've got a character who who is aware and is very is breaking down, you know, the the, the fourth wall or whatever. And so you've got a character that's perpe- perfect for actually introducing that into there
0: yeah it's gonna be really interesting and everything about phase four has been you know really interesting like how are they gonna do the multiverse of madness how are they gonna get toby and andrew in no way home and now the next point is what are they gonna do with Deadpool? and we know hugh jackman's playing wolverine but we know hugh jackman's not going to be wolverine in the mcu so like how is this gonna work and it's it's so neat that there's just so many things like one at a time. It's like the next thing that comes up is like, well, how are they going to do this? And yeah, that is the pretty much the next biggest step is like, all right, well, how are they going to do this? So it's it's just I really want to see.
2: <laughs> so what would you say is an overlooked film
0: that is comic book related? Oh, geez. What is an overlooked one? i don't think it is now i mentioned scott pilgrim earlier like i think scott pilgrim has hit cult classic status but boy it bombed hard whenever it came out in theaters despite the fact that i saw it like three times opening weekend (laughs) but um that's kind of an overlooked one by like uh, the bigger aspects of society i'm trying to think of smaller ones um I don't know. It's hard to say. I would I would say, yeah, it's going to be Scott Pilgrim for me. There have been some other ones. I think V for Vendetta kind of came out and people kind of forgot it existed, but it's still a really good movie with an incredibly strong Natalie Portman performance. I'm excited to get to watch that someday for my show. So that would be up there for me. Um, With all the discourse that has happened around Zack Snyder, because Zack Snyder is his own thing now. Like, you, there are people who build their entire personality around loving Zack Snyder's DC movies. And then there's the rest of us that are like, these aren't that good. But 300, like, we all kind of forgot he did 300. And that movie was incredible. Like, he's clearly talented. Like, he can do one off things. I even think. Watchmen was really good but 300 in particular is one that like because of all the discourse around zack snyder it gets buried because everyone kind of forgets he did that because we're so obsessed about talking about batman versus superman and the dceu yep i I will shout out the um the the watch watchmen i think the director's cut of watchmen is incredible I'm not sure I've ever seen the director's cut. I, I I know I saw it in theaters and I know I've seen it on DVD. I don't know if I've ever seen the director's cut. I'm sure if Zack Snyder did it and it's a director's cut, it's three and a half hours long. That is, that's about how long it is, actually. <laughs> that makes sense. But I will say I even the theatrical cut of Watchmen, I think, is as good of an adaption of watchmen as you're ever going to make like that's a nigh impossible story to adapt and he turned it into an action movie that looked great and as, i mean that's the best you're gonna do i enjoyed watching watchmen and the the cast he got for that movie god bless Zack yeah. snyder i may not love his movies but he gets casts like henry cavill and ben affleck as batman and you had the cast for with uh Oh, what's his name? Jackie Earl Haley as Rorschach and Jeffrey Dean Morgan as the comedian. Just a brilliant cast for Watchmen. Absolutely. Uh, Well, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, that's two.
2: Him in the DC universe essentially twice then, because he's also the father of Bruce Bruce Wayne.
0: He is and is is the losers a DC property or not? I want to say the losers might've been a vertigo book, which was one of DC's imprints. So he was on that. He could theoretically be in the DC universe three times. <laughs> he's wow. in Watchmen. He's, he's Batman's dad and he was in the losers.
2: But, but then if you expand it now that now that Disney owns, you know, Fox, Chris Evans has been in two Marvel
0: being two Marvel characters. I've, I've heard a, pe- a lot of people talk about that it's like if they do any multiversal stuff don't bring chris evans back as captain america bring him back as the human torch yes, like not, not as the human torch in the new fantastic four going forward but like bring him back for like the deadpool movie for a hint or like in a multiverse scene like in multiverse of madness just have him show up and just everyone be like oh hey
2: no, have him as both at the same time, and then they're both, <laughs> both behind the side of Deadpool, you'd have Deadpool going,
0: huh? <laughs> What? Captain America accidentally says flame on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dear
1: me. Hey there, this is Bobby with the Rock Guys podcast, and you are listening to Marv Smooth on the Pods Like Us podcast. Check him out.
2: So what advice would you give to people who want to start a podcast for the first time?
0: Uh, This almost sounds harsh. I think too many podcasts start off as this notion of. We're just going to record ourselves talking because it's funny to us and other people will enjoy it like possibly, but probably not like, I think you need an idea for your show. You need a gimmick like, I do a movie podcast, trust me. So there are a billion movie podcasts in the world. Like if you're going to talk about movies, you need a gimmick. So for me, I came up with the the random draw system and the way we talk about it with the ups and the downs and then the talking point at the end of the episode, like just. I'm not saying like you don't need to be like a pro wrestler, but you need to have some kind of gimmick. Like, what is it about your show? And the one I will always point out at another shout out to another fantastic show, The Contrarians. I love them. They're hilarious. And their idea for their show is that they talk about movies. Based on the inverse of their Rotten Tomatoes score. So they get movies that are like highly rated on Rotten Tomatoes and they spend the first half of their show tearing them apart. Or they'll get movies that are very lowly rated on Rotten Tomatoes and spend the first half of their show talking about everything good in the movie that you may have overlooked. Like that's a great gimmick. And just the name alone, because it's called The Contrarians, because their logo is uh, we're right and you're wrong, like. It makes you want to listen because you think like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to argue with these assholes. And then you listen to the show and it's a funny, intelligent show that just has a really funny gimmick and isn't trying to to piss people off. So that's what I'm saying is like if you're going to talk about something as broad as like movies or true crime or something like that, get something you can hang your hat on or do something like Bill Reed's Bad Reviews, man, like he talks about movies by going online and finding the really weird like one star reviews people have left about it and he just laughs about their takes and they're not always wrong but it's a really interesting way like you get a really classic movie and then you find out what people hated about it it's it's really interesting so that's what i'm saying is like just come up with something that's you like it's not just going to be like me and my buddies sit around the table and whatever we say whatever comes up is what we say like that's not going to fly like There are 8 billion shows like that. Tell me what you do different. So that would be my advice. Like, come up with a gimmick. You need a shtick.
2: That's it. Uh, So, number one, coming off what you've just said, number one, I still disagree with Bill's take on the film Elf. (laughs) I keep mentioning that to him all the time.
0: (laughs) Not going to change Bill's mind. Because
2: he hates that film.
0: There are people that do, and it's weird because that's it's not a hateable movie. Like, I don't know what you see in Elf and not just think is adorable. but And especially for somebody like Bill, who, like I said, he's a walking ray of sunshine. You would think he would love Elf. You would. You would. And secondly,
2: off the back of that, I think Sean from Review It Yourself needs to go on the contrarians because I think he would fit in with that perfectly. (laughs) Because every time I listen to a review of Sean's, I'm like, sean that's completely opposite to what every other person in the living world thinks
0: well he has i mean to his credit he has a really good shtick too with the defend it yourself series where it's like people come on and defend movies that are maligned and i've done an episode of that i did she's the man starring amanda Bynes, a 2000s comedy i irrationally love I think is really smart, but yeah, he's done that. And he's had people come on and talk about like night at the Roxbury and stuff like that. And I mean, God bless him because that means he has to watch a bunch of movies that are widely considered to be crap. Good for him, man. He's putting himself through it.
2: I'm waiting to be picked to talk about some X-Men films. Cause I'm <laughs> slightly different to a lot of other people with those.
0: What's a, what would you pick? What are the, the bad X-Men movies you like? I meant as
2: in, so um, I can say good things about all the ones that they say are bad. There's certain bits that are good about them. Um, So the apocalypse one, I think there's certain bits about that that are okay, but it's not perfect. And it's the same as the last one as well. You know, there's bits about that where I think if slight things which were, were altered, That could have been decent.
0: Yeah. It just wasn't quite there. I do that sometimes. That's when I have a hard time finding an up for a movie and I did it about Alita Battle Angel, which is a movie some people love and I, I do not see the love for that movie. But I think one of my ups for that in particular was they could have made a really good movie. There were ideas here. And they just elected not to do it and that's fine but there was a really good plot that's there that they just didn't capitalize on but i mean i
2: actually like the idea of mcavoy as professor x
0: oh yeah from
2: from from from, from, uh you know first class i thought that was a really good x-men film um i thought they did well with the modern ones with the days of future past i think they did well with that although I like, you you know, you can get an alternative version of that that's got like a rope that's called the rogue cut.
0: No, I wasn't aware of that.
2: So what they did was they'd actually filmed a fair bit in the future where rogue was, was more prominent in the film. But for some reason they took it out of the theatrical cut altogether and altered it slightly, which makes it more, interesting because you get that future going on at the same time as what's going on in the past so you cut from future to past to future to past so it's almost it's sort of interesting that but i think that was probably the better of the more recent ones post- oh yeah i i think, class. I
0: think- of the, the kind of reboot timeline with McAvoy and Fazbender, I think Days of Future Past is considered the best of those. And foreshadowing, I've already recorded on it that should be coming out in about a month or so. We uh someone pulled that, we have that coming. So we talked about Days of Future Past, and I think that was one of my ups actually it was like, I really like the when you get to the third act of that movie and there's two climaxes going on at the same time in the future and in the past, and it's it's really well done.
2: But we've also got the problem with the more recent ones as well, where you've got sort of actors and actresses that are, if they were given better, um, better, something better to work with, like Sophie Turner, for instance, she's yeah. a great actress. She's a really good actress, but she just wasn't given quite the right
0: material. Yeah, they they had the weird, I don't want to say misfortune, but they cast... Jennifer Lawrence's Mystique like a year before The Hunger Games came out and she blew up. So the sequels were so married to like, Oh, we have Jennifer Lawrence. We have to do stuff with her. And you can watch the progression of those movies where she's just getting more and more bored with doing these and doesn't want to be there anymore. So I I think that's kind of a a pitfall. They fell into where it's like, Oh, we have to use her because she's a big, huge name now, but she doesn't want to be here. And it's kind of handicapping our stories to the point where like, you watch the dark Phoenix movie and it's palpable how little she wants to be on set, that they just have to kill her off in the first act because, like, she's not even trying.
2: But they could have, you know, if they'd have thought about it, they could have just sidelined her and just gone, there, you're not in the films anymore. Because I don't think she was that much of an important character anyway.
0: No, no, she wasn't. But, like, they... And granted, the Days of Future Past storyline, Mystique is a very important character in the comics, so it makes sense that she's important in that. But, like, why is she such a big deal in Apocalypse? Like, she has nothing to do with that. Like, why is she still such a big deal in this story arc? But, like, you've written off all of the other X-Men. Like, Banshee's not still around. Uh, (laughs) Pixie's not still around. Like, but boy, we're hanging on there with Mystique because Jennifer Lawrence did those movies. But then they... In in a way, they're
2: probably hanging on to that the same as they probably hung on too much to Hugh Jackman on the the original three X Men films, where it was all based around Wolverine. You know, where they, they could have gone other into other characters
0: and areas. That's that's true. Like, don't get me wrong. The and we talked about Days of Future Past. Wolverine is not an important character in Days of Future Past, but he's integral to the movie because it's, you know, you can get Hugh Jackman, and again, he's a big name, but, like, I would say the difference there is Hugh Jackman always seemed happy about what he was doing, like, Jennifer Lawrence clearly didn't, like, You can get Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine over and over because he's great at it and he just has all this charisma. Jennifer Lawrence is a great actress. I'm not trying to besmeet her at all. She is fantastic as an actress, but she did not want to keep doing X-Men movies. And I think she was visibly displeased with them. She wanted to do more stuff like Silver Linings Playbook and American Hustle and what have you. She wanted to do bigger, more serious roles than like I'm in an X-Men movie and Hugh Jackman can also do roles like big acting movies, but also like he wants to be Wolverine and that's great. And I'm glad he's going to be Wolverine again. One more Uh, time, at least, man, that's going to be fun. At least.
2: And those two films that you shouted out for Jennifer Lawrence, I'll agree with you. I think they're fantastic films. I, I particularly think American hustle is underrated as a film. I think that's a great film.
0: You know what? I'll be honest. I've never seen American Hustle. I really liked her in Silver Linings Playbook. I really like that. I've actually never seen American Hustle. It's just what came to mind when I was thinking like other, you know, more awards. I don't want to say awards bait, but like awards targeted movies than like X-Men Dark Phoenix.
2: (laughs) So uh, along. So I'm moving this along, really, you know, (laughs)
0: We could we've been talk- talking for a very long time am we i have. just rambling we have. we have we could talk
2: for hours
0: it's gonna be your longest episode because i just don't shut up i apologize
2: we should do a zach snyder director's cut
0: <laughs> release the marty cut <laughs> <laughs> so so where can people find the show and get
2: hold of you Stu?
0: Uh, So the show is on pretty much all podcast players. It's called Stew World Order. If you find one that doesn't have it, please let me know. Uh, I'm on Twitter at SWO Productions, and I have a website, SWOProductions.com. Don't get me wrong. The podcast is the crown jewel of SWO Productions. But over on the website, we have new articles. Every single weekday, Monday through Friday, we have lists, articles, movie reviews. We've started putting some fiction stuff on there with uh, another guy that I work with named Aaron. He's doing his own little shared universe of stories. I have a story I've been working on over there that's kind of a passion project of mine that I'm finally happy to have a chance to be putting out for more public consumption. So there's a lot of stuff going on, man. Like I... I try not to let people outwork me like I may not have the best quality. I may not have the best skill set, but I've got the podcast. I've got the website. I stream on Twitch. I have a YouTube channel. So I'm a little bit of everywhere, but everything is centralized SWO productions.com. That's where you can find the hub for everything that I do. Thank you very much
2: for that. And thank you for speaking with me today, Stu.
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I, I, Like I said, I took up two hours of your night. I know it's much later where you are. It's like, it's midnight, isn't it? Oh, heavens, I feel bad. It's just become midnight. It's just
2: gone. <laughs> there you go. It's a whole new day for you. It's a new day now. I'm, I'm in the future. <laughs> I'll just look outside the window and make sure that Wolverine's not coming for me.
0: <laughs> Wolverine's not coming from the future. You haven't ruined the future yet, Marty.
2: <laughs> so you can find Pods Like Us on any network, and we are on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and you can contact us through podslikeus at gmail.com. But anyway, thank you very much for listening, everybody, and hope you're listening again to another episode of Pods Like Us.